You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I look now and I've really discovered myself and my strengths and my weaknesses. It's been great because on the field, coaching the kids and and teaching them the games and and the principles of the game and trying to get them to understand how the the beautiful art of soccer even occurs and and getting them to make their own decisions and it's very fluid. And I realized this is is what I want to do. This is who I am. I'm Coach Chelsea. This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, we are in the heart of the women's soccer season at Oregon State, and we go to a former Oregon State women's soccer player, a former national team member, Team Canada, with Chelsea Buckland, who led the Beavers in goals three years in a row at OSU, 2009, 2010, 2011, making the NCAA tournament all three years, which had never been done in the history of Oregon State women's soccer. And Chelsea also had a fascinating national team career, was an alternate in the 2011 World Cup, was on the qualifying roster for the 2012 Olympics, and ultimately missed the Olympics with an ACL tear, tried to come back to OSU, tore ACL again. It's a heartbreaking story, but also an inspiring story because of what it led to, and she has stayed in the sport ever since. She's now a coach. She went to Arizona, coached for a while down there, is up in Washington now in Issaquah, and coaches at uh, ISC, Issaquah Soccer Club, the ISC Gunners, uh, kind of a youth program and rec director. She coaches a number of different teams of uh, youth teams, boys and girls. And so she stayed in soccer, loves the sport. And so we kind of recap her OSU career, what that's led to, and and her passion within the sport of soccer. Also want to mention a charity in this podcast, Old Mill Center. Now they're based right here in Corvallis. They do great work helping with counseling and rehab and family work and all sorts of stuff right here in Benton County. They've got a silent auction fundraiser that it's tougher to put on this year for obvious reasons, but it happens May 1st to May 8th. You can check out how you can support Old Mill Center or just make a donation and help out a local charity at oldmillcenter.org. Thanks for doing that. Now let's get to this conversation with Chelsea Buckland, former Oregon State soccer player. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Well, I get to do a play-by-play on the live stream for these two soccer matches this weekend, Colorado and Utah coming into town. I want to ask about a recent Oregon State play, because I know you saw it because you tweeted about it, and it was just an amazing goal. Sydney Studer is an awesome defender for Oregon State. Uh, if you haven't seen it, for those listening, go check out. It's on Twitter, Oregon State Women's Soccer page. It's on Chelsea Buckland's page, too, because she retweeted it. So go look at this crazy goal. I mean, it was just phenomenal. T- tell me your reaction seeing the video of Sydney Studer just dribbling for like 70 yards and then scoring from the top of the box. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, as a defender, right, looking to win the ball and, and again, just that dynamic attacking mentality to just get forward. And if it's on, it's on, right? Um, you just see her take her first touch, get around a couple defenders. You know, Sanford wasn't quite there ready to defend. They didn't really think that's what was going to happen. So I love that. I love that attacking mentality to just get forward. And, and again, as she went through, she she recognized pressure was coming, took her first touch out of her feet, and just ripped one. And that's and that was fantastic to see from that far out, just going at it. I loved it. It was great. 
you can tell a player like Sydney has a really aggressive mentality. Now that you coach at a variety of age groups, a lot of like 9, 10, 11 year old kind of in that area, do you notice how easy is it to get the kids to be that aggressive? Do they sometimes they're kind of hold back? Oh, I don't want to make any mistakes. Or are there Sydney Studers in, in the players you're coaching? Are they naturally like that? How, how much of each do you have? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that's hard. That's that's the one thing that coaches try and instill in players is is having confidence to to take players on, right? Um, you try and teach them the the movements, um, you know, on the ball and the, the the moves and the attacking mentality of it all. But you know, there's players players that just need to have that confidence to go at defenders, right? Just recognize where there's space, when there's time, and just and just go forward. And I think, you know, as a coach now, you try and see the players that are that you really have that drive to want to score, right? Even at the younger ages, everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to score. So it's, it's actually hard sometimes because you never want to, you never want to pull the reins too tight, right? You want them to be free. Um, but there's times where you have to, you have to play smart and, you know, you're not dribbling out of the back um, like Studer did there, but you know, Hey, when it's on, it's on, right? Be a different story if she didn't get past a couple of those guys, but you know it's it's great to see and and the kids just need to kind of instill that confidence to to go forward regardless. I mean, people, kids at the younger ages really think you know defenders don't score, but that's that's a perfect example of 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 how a center back can go in there and and win the ball and and play so um, and score goals, and that's that's awesome to see for sure. I'll come back to kind of what you're doing coaching-wise now, but I want to ask about your time at Oregon State. When you came down from British Columbia, your first playing time was 09, redshirted 08, played 09, 10, 11, made the NCAA tournament three years in a row. Oregon State had never done anything like that. When you came to OSU, did it did it feel really quick of like, oh my gosh, we're really good all of a sudden? Like, How did that kind of turn around quickly when you came in? Yeah, you know, uh, to be fair, it actually started on our recruiting visit when we we're all seniors in high school. I think I think we all kind of came in on our recruiting visit at the same time, and and our class just really bonded. I mean, we just switched on and said, "Wow, this is Beaver Nation." We got the hype of the football team and the other sports in the in the area at the time when we were there. And I think when we all just signed and came in, we we're like, "All right, you know, let's let's you know, iron out the details, get to know with the group." And uh, that freshman year, the year that I redshirted. We had won our first Pac-10 game at the time, in the first time in a few years, I think it was. So I think that was a big eye-opener. I think I remember we beat Wazoo, and we were kind of like, all right, guys, like we got this, you know, so let's go, ladies. And then that next year, everybody was just vibing. Like, they were excited, and, and our group just really kind of pushed the freshmen – or, sorry, the, the incoming freshmen at a time and the seniors to say, hey, look, we're, we're here to win. We're here to compete. Like, we want to put Oregon State on the map again. And I think that that belief in – in the leaders at the time, our captains and, and the players that are there that really wanted to come in and make a difference. I think that just kind of threw through, it just went through everybody's, you know, system. And we were just in total awe, like, let's go. You know, it was, there's no words to describe it really. We just said, let's, let's do this. We're in the best conference in the nation. Like, let's do this. And and as soon as we made the tournament, it was a big, big, like we had, a, I remember we were sitting in the I think it was in the football stadium watching it online and we were just hooting and hollering. Everybody was so excited. And then when we were there, we just prepped real strong. Coaches had a game plan. The girls believed in, in our system and what we were doing. And we just wanted to get out there and compete. And we made it all the way to the sweet 16 and, and that's first time in history. So, you know, putting beavers on the map was, was pretty exciting. So um, I couldn't have been more happier with our group at that time. So. 
That was a great stretch. Now, for a lot of players, if they have some sort of professional career, regardless of the sport or playing for the, the national team, whatever it may be, it's usually play four years of college, finish out, move on to the NBA, NFL, whatever it may be. Now, for you, it was a lot more together. It was overlapping one to the other, all kind of happening at the same time, come back, go go one to the other and back and forth. Tell me about the timeline of playing at Oregon State, playing for the national team, how that worked <laughs> to do both, not exactly yeah. at the same time, but kind of at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. In, the, in the, the second year we went to the tournament in 2010, that fall season is when I was when I pretty much got an email from the Canadian national team. And I was a bit I guess dumbfounded at first because I didn't really I was like is this for real like what um because back in my youth days I was cut by the uh, uh, under 20 so I was like okay you know I'm gonna go to college and and do my thing and when I got that email it was like oh wow it's the beginning of January right before my birthday I literally got on a plane to Rome Italy and was like here you go so uh you know compliance and all of our administrators in the soccer office had to help um figure out all my academics and I thought I could do school online and finish up the semester but it was just too much um, based on our schedule with the national team. So I ended up withdrawing from Oregon State um, just in general, just my entire student, just to totally um, get off for, I think it was fall, winter, spring, summer. So that winter, spring academic to uh, quarters there um, is when I completely withdraw from the school and I left and, and went overseas. And so we were, we were based in Rome, Italy. Um, it was like boot camp. We're in there with our Italian staff. It was fantastic. Um, There's four other college players at the time as well um, that kind of had to do the same thing as myself. Um, and I was there pretty much all that whole fall or sorry, that whole winter and spring and then the summertime. And then I came back in the summer to prepare for our preseason in August. So um, staying overseas for four or five months. There's a couple weeks in there where I had time to come back and load up another suitcase. And, you know, back in Canada, I flew back home to visit my parents and let them know how things were going. And then, uh, yeah, I came back and started that fall season again in, in 2011. So um, played that season, went to the tournament again, uh, and then got back on a plane and, and head back out to Europe. So, um, and at that point we had transition in our Canadian national staff. So um, I was blessed to actually have our, our, uh, Olympic qualifiers in Vancouver, BC, which is my hometown. So um, we had a few camps in LA and, and stayed on the on the mainland, let's say, um, in North America. And uh, yeah, we pretty much were able to stay there and train in, in Vancouver and prepare for the Olympics. So um, yeah. Yeah, then, so that opportunity to play for the Canadian national team, World Cup being an alternate 2011, Olympic qualifiers 2012. Tell me about the excitement of competing for a roster spot perhaps playing in the 2012 olympics that the excitement of that and then the disappointment of what ultimately happened with the injury and what you learned through that whole process yeah i think i mean we had a turnover in staff with the federation so um before that you know leading up into the world cup my experience in 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 italy for four or five months was unreal i mean that was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed the kind of European soccer mentality and how things were. And I got on very well with the staff and really wanted to come in and prove myself as a rookie. 
Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the, the coaches staff made their decision and I became an alternate and I was just blessed to be a part of part of my country at, uh, the biggest stage in the world for soccer. So, um, you know, staying in the mix with the girls, supporting my teammates, you know, uh, being a part of that group was just an absolute blessing. I didn't think I'd ever get there. Um, so I was very blessed with that opportunity. And then coming back to school, um, the second time around, we had a turnover in staff and, and we had, the, you know, the current John Herdman right now with the Canadian national team. He's now on the men's side. Um, but statistically, that guy was is unreal. He really brought the group together, really bonded with 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 the players, the senior players that have been there from day one that have had major turnover in their careers. They just bought into the process and the experience was unreal. Um, and I kind of felt felt my niche. I was really in the group. I was really a part of the group. Um, really proved myself at that point. I wasn't really considered a rookie. Um, I was kind of in the, in the mix and uh, preparing for, uh, you know, Olympic qualifiers. I got to start against Cuba and play in those matches. Um, it was awesome. Once we qualified for the Olympics, it was pretty much go time. We all just were really in the mix and competing. And yeah, my goal was my goal was to make the, the make the roster. And um, at that time, I think I was doing really well. I got to play with the legendary Christine Sinclair and, and competing with, with other players for a starting spot. And I really believe that I was making headway. And, you know, I think again, the, the injury, I ended up tearing my ACL literally two weeks before we went into camp and, and uh, leaving for London. And uh, it was really unfortunate. I knew, I knew right away it was done. Um, but again, like I, I look back now and I go, well, you know what, that's, that might've been a blessing because I'm coaching full-time and I'm, and I'm in the game. I'm always in the game. Soccer, soccer's my, my love, you know, it's, it's what I do. So, um, you know, I, I realized it was, that was, that was kind of my time to say, you know what, and I had great support around me. My teammates were there, um, you know, when they were back, when the team ended up leaving and going to the Olympics, I was able to FaceTime the girls and stay engaged. And I was all cripple on with a leg brace on the couch, yelling at the TV you know, and boom, we, we ended up coming out with a bronze medal. Um, and it's hard because alternates and myself that was injured and off the roster, we didn't get a bronze medal or anything like that. But but deep down inside, I truly believe that, you know, I had a part in that. Right. I was I was a part of that team. I helped everybody prepare for that. And it was unfortunate I couldn't be there on the field with them during those games. But I did feel super, super proud of myself to be a part of something and and uh, and you know, supporting the team through long distance and, and really staying connected with everybody. And it was a great experience, um, you know, coming from being at home sucked, but at the end of the day, it was, it was definitely a, a great feeling. And so that's kind of went after the Olympics, they won. And then I went back to school and started rehabbing again and knocking out my academics. And that's kind of when I started really getting into coaching because I learned a lot under John Herdman um, in terms of, you know, match analysis and things like that. And, um, and so I started to do that at Oregon State with with some of the game films and really got into the coaching part. I really wanted to play another year and wanted to come back and, and hopefully get back into the mix with the national team. Um, but again, like I said, the, um, at the end of the day, I, I truly believe the man upstairs or whoever people believe in uh, had a path for me and and it just wasn't my time. And so, um, you know, it's it is what it is. And, and now we're here. So. <laughs> It is fascinating how that kind of led into what you what you do now. It, it kind of that story played out a little bit again in 2013. So you rehab that injury. You're at OSU 2012. Come back. You apply for another year. So now you've started in 08 and you come back and play in 2013. And all right, yeah. I'm going to get that last year in. 
and you play in four games, you're playing Wisconsin, you get to face Rose Lavelle, who's gone on to amazing things with the U.S. national team, and you tear your ACL again. Yep. <laughs> and that, correct me if I'm wrong, that was that was basically it. Was, okay, yep. now now I'm really done. All right, I gave it my best. I tried to come back and, and a second ACL. All right, right off into the sunset. That did, I'm sure it hurt, both physically and personally. It did also lead to even more so coaching like uh, initiation into your coaching element. Tell me about that timeline, both the moment of tearing the ACL and then what that actually kind of led to since you were still at OSU. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was devastating. I knew right away uh, that second time I also went through, I mean, I had in the total of 14 months, I had about four knee surgeries in general. So uh, the first one was a total reconstructive of ACL meniscus, the whole nine yards. Um, and then halfway through, I did my meniscus, so I had to go back in and clean some things out. So, um, from a from a metabolical standpoint, I guess my my body itself, um, I just it, it just kind of hit me in that moment when I tore it the second time. I just said, you know what, it's just not my time. I just I think it's telling me something. And so I had I struggled a lot uh, emotionally, mentally with with realizing like, hey, like anyone could come back again. There's players that have come back from multiple ACLs and. And kudos to, to all the athletes that have recovered from ACLs more than once. And, you know, um, and, and it's, it's huge. It's a lot. It's a grind. It's, it's big time to really come back from those. And, and, you know, for me, it was really, I could come back. I might come back. Um, I'm 23, 24 years old, a sixth year senior. I, I don't, I know my college game is over, um, but, you know, maybe I could play in, you know, the NWSL uh or back in the national team but you know I kind of there's something during that recovery process through that last ACL I really something really hit me and just said you know what I I want to coach like I want to be in the game and I don't know if I can physically compete at the highest standard at the highest level anymore I definitely don't want to play rec soccer with you know the adult league (laughs) so I just said you know what I'm going to start really hounding down on this coaching career and I think couple of my mentors in, in my day then really looked at me and said, you know what, Charles, you, you might be a better coach than you were a player. And that's no disrespect to you as a player. Cause you were very strong, dynamic, you know, and had a knack for goal as a nine, but, but you have something in you, you see the game at a different level. And I, I really took that to heart. I think that really encouraged me to, to go and, and coach and really try and get into the, into the academic side of the game, really at studying the game and learning how to, how to teach players, not just coach. Right. Um, cause you can coach the game, but are, are the kids cognitively understanding what you're asking of them? And I really got into that and, uh, and yeah, I just, I stayed there and again, did the same thing, help the freshmen, help the incoming players and, and get them kind of geared into what coach was trying to do at the time. And, um, and yeah, just really got into coaching and that's kind of how it led it me into the, into the next phase of my life where I finished graduating and I went on a whim out to Arizona to start coaching full-time. So, uh, that's kind of how it tailed off from Oregon State. That's amazing. And now you've you've wound your way back up north, nearly to Canada, up to Issaquah, Washington, and coaching with Issaquah Soccer Club. You're the head coach of four teams, uh, two boys teams, two girls teams, and the rec, uh, the head of the rec, remind me the title there, the rec director there with ISC. So what has that been like to now you know, you realize that passion for coaching. Now you get to do it. You get to learn the sport in a different way. You get to interact with kids in their own element, teach the sport. Uh, now where you're at, having a few years under that belt, under your belt, 
Um, has that kind of fulfilled been what you expected even better things you didn't expect? What has coaching now turned out to be for you? Yeah. Um, it's, it was great to be fair. Starting back in Arizona is when I went out with, with a mentor and, um, I had coached in Arizona for a solid five years. Um, I was at technically two clubs, but three clubs because I started at one for three years and then I moved into another club as the director of soccer ops. So I can use kind of my calm uh, athletic admin background and my degree from Oregon state. So the good part about my degree at Oregon state, just a side note is it's a communications uh, bachelor's degree, but I emphasize it in athletic administration. So there's a lot of business and athletic admin. I taught leadership classes with uh, Marion Vidra, one of our former directors at Oregon state. And, um, I kind of wanted to bring that into the mix as well. So I was able to go down to one of the soccer clubs in, in Tucson and become the director of soccer ops and help run that. And then we merged with another club. So I was able to, to stay on with that new group and, and really run again, the recreational side in Tucson. So I kind of, kind of used my business background a bit more um, as well as coaching, of course. So it was good to kind of learn the internal organizational part about coaching um, so I got a lot of experience in Arizona, to be fair. I, I was a part of the ODP staff, and I had some great connections that brought me into the Region 4 staff. So with US Youth, Region 4 ODP, I'm with that um, staff as well. And then I was kind of at the at the top of, of where I wanted to be in Arizona, and I really was looking for a new challenge, a new support system, and, and really wanted to push my coaching career to a new level. And to be fair, one of my um, former Oregon State teammates, uh, freshman year, uh, Macy Jo Harrison, her and I have been friends since Oregon State. She transferred after her freshman year to UNLV and did fantastic at UNLV. And uh, and she's actually the, the director of soccer ops here at Isqual Soccer Club. So she's kept reaching out to me. And, and when the time came, she said, I'd like to throw your name in the hat. And so I said, you know what? I'm good here at Arizona, um, but I'm looking for a change. Let's, let's see what's going on. So I came out here. Uh, the directors all had, uh, you know, kind of an interview process with me and they came out and they offered me a job. And I said, all right, I think I'm looking for change and want to keep moving up the, the coaching totem pole. So I came out here and took on a head coaching job full time. And now I'm the recreational director and, and we're plugging away. So it's been fantastic to gain the experiences in Arizona and now up here really trying to make a difference in, in Washington. That's really cool to hear how that's turned out. And I'm sure you've got a long road ahead of you, many more coaching, uh, you know, experiences there in Issaquah and wherever life takes you. Um, last thing uh, for you, you know, I, I usually ask every athlete, at least the ones who have finished their own athletic career, you know, everyone has an end, a retirement of sorts. And it usually happens maybe right out of college, maybe it's 25, maybe it's 30, but it's it's relatively soon in, in the in the lifespan, um, and I was asked, you know, what did you do then? Not just physically, how did you fill the time, but who were you then? Where where did you find your identity? Because most athletes, at least to a certain degree, qualify themselves as I'm an athlete. Maybe that's their primary identity. So, for you, I'm sure at least part of it, coaching took up that void. I'm sure that's at least a big part of the answer. Maybe that's the whole answer, maybe not. But once your career came to an end, all right, second ACL, I'm done. I'm not going to play anymore. Now, who is Chelsea Buckland? You know, who who am I as a person? Um, tell me about if you had some reflections on that. If you're still learning that, if you know what, how you kind of went through that process of realizing I'm I'm not an athlete anymore. Yeah, yeah, it was very hard for me because um, I started playing soccer when I was three, and everything I did was soccer. I mean, I that's my first love. <laughs> 
And I, I have always been around the game. I was a four-time athlete in high school or four-sport athlete in high school. Um, I'm kind of a jock, you know, both my parents were, were top athletes. So I always wanted to be athletic. I always wanted to be involved in sports and soccer was my passion. That's kind of why I, I led to going and playing college soccer and, and really taking soccer on. So for me, when my career ended, I, I realized, you know, like I said earlier, you know, mentors and coaches, you know, said, you, 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 you might be a better, better coach than you were a player. And I, I really took that to heart. I mean, I can't emphasize how much that meant to me as, as a positive compliment um, because I look now and I've really discovered myself and um, and my strengths and my weaknesses. And it's been great because on the field, you know, coaching the kids and, and teaching them the games and the, and the principles of the game and trying to get them to understand how the, the beautiful art of soccer even occurs and, and getting them to make their own decisions. And it's very fluid in terms of, of, of the game itself. And, and I realized, um, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. I'm coach Chelsea. And, um, and I, and I want to coach for the rest of my life. This is, I've made a career of this now. I've worked all the way up um, in my U uh, S soccer federation licensing um, with my playing experience back then I could have wavered straight to the B and, and another mentor in Arizona, you know, said, Hey, look, you should just start from the bottom and, and learn. And so to be fair, I didn't skip the food chain. I started from square one and I'm actually very grateful for that. I think it has allowed me to add kind of more tools to my toolbox per se, and, and really learn the system and the vision of what U S soccer is trying to do and, and comparing it to my experience in Europe and keeping in touch with, with other coaches and other federations across the world. And, uh, and really just educating. I'm, I'm the biggest, I didn't, I wasn't too fond of school as a kid, but when it comes to soccer and learning, I have been uh, just overwhelmed with, with the amount of resources that I've had, been able to gain and, and, and really study the game and learn. And, and I'm always, I'm always buzzing to, to learn more about the game and, and taking on information. And I realize that's, that's really what I want to do is coach and, and teach these kids. I think after college, I, I really learned in Arizona. And now, even now I'm, I, I know I want to be a coach, but I, but the, every day you're always learning something. I learn something from eight-year-old boys to 16-year-old girls. It doesn't matter. Um, you're always growing. You're always learning as a coach. Um, and, and you're always trying to be on top of it. And I think for me, um, my biggest strength is, is really teaching the kids um, to be confident and, and understand the art of the game, right? Understand there's, there's a reason to play in a certain way or, or have more dynamic movement, making your own decisions. The game's never the same once. It's always changing, right? C certain situations occur um, over and over again. But again, the game is, is fluid. It's all based on the opponent's movement and your movement. And I just getting the kids to, to cognitively understand the art of soccer has just been one of my favorite things. Just getting the kids to see it and play quality soccer is, is my biggest, my biggest thing. I mean, getting the kid to, pass with their left foot I go home at night happy you know and uh, I think that the really the teaching aspect of it is huge I, I love children I love being around the game and and seeing the little phases of development have really have really touched me a bit um, because you know I live vicariously through the kids so it's been it's been wonderful <laughs> so yeah uh, that's great to hear it's, it's great to have that passion to see how that's gone from your playing career to coaching and that's that's awesome to hear so thanks for sharing your story chelsea best of luck to you with all the coaching stuff going forward and thanks for coming on the podcast yeah absolutely go beeves I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chelsea Buckland. I will be doing play-by-play -play for those women's soccer matches Friday and Sunday 
Colorado and Utah. So you can check those out, osubeavers.com. Go to the women's soccer page. And Chelsea said she keeps tabs. And when the soccer team goes up to Seattle, uh, she'll meet with the team. And she's in contact with Matt Kagan, who's now the head coach, even though he wasn't the head coach when she was there. But she's uh, stayed involved with the program, keeps tabs on him. So that's fun to hear. By the way, Dynasty in the Woods comes out soon. That's the baseball documentary I've been working on. 18 episodes long, 18 for 18, the 2018 season. So that comes out at the end of this month, April 21st. Uh, in the show notes, I've got a link of how you can listen to that ahead of time, and uh, it'll come out for free a little bit later, episode by episode, uh, for free on this podcast channel. So look forward to that uh, in about a month from now, Dynasty in the Woods. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. Until next time, have a great week. Go Beavs. Go Beavs.